Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, cat lovers. This is Michelle Byrne, your host on Catitude. Oh, my show today. Oh, we're going to talk to this gentleman who he does animal rescuing, but not your standard animal rescuing. I've never seen anything like this. So I can't wait to talk to him and um, for you all to find out all about him. We're going to be right back after this short break. Hey, everyone. Michelle Byrne here. I want to tell you about Carlson Pet Products. They are a family-owned, budget-conscious company specializing in creating pet safety products to keep your pet happily protected from the puppy stage through the senior years. Carlson offers a variety of products such as pet pens, folded elevated beds, crates, and pet gates. Their portable pet pens are lightweight and foldable and have a carry bag for storage when you're on the go. I love traveling with my portable pet pen from Carlson. It's made traveling with Nikki so much easier. I've used my portable pet pen at home, again, traveling, or even when I'm doing a short road trip. They're also ideal to use at home, traveling, or simply headed to the park down the street. The portable pet pens come in two sizes, six panel or eight panel, and they give your pet ample room to move around. Plus, you can add an attachable canopy to create a shaded outdoor oasis for your pet. Visit CarlsonPetProducts.com to get 25% off your order, plus free shipping using the promo code PETLIFE. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to welcome Doug Thrawn. He is the star of the animal rescue docuseries, Doug to the Rescue. He is an animal activist, an environmentalist, an aerial cinematographer, and an infrared drone pilot. Welcome, Doug. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. I am so excited to have you on. Did I miss anything? Because you are a man of many talents. So no, that's that's pretty much enough. Yeah, <laughs> I do a handful of other things or whatever because I have a mind that tends to wander and do all sorts of other things like build classic cars and their stuff, fly seaplanes or whatever. But yeah, that was plenty. Okay, so first, I've done a lot with animal rescue and that sort of thing on Catitude, but nothing like this. You actually find animals in disaster areas by drone. Yeah, it was kind of stumbled upon it myself because I was a, you know, a cinematographer, specializing in aerial cinematography with drones. And I was filming a guy that was doing cat rescues after the Paradise Fires when it was about like 15,000 houses burned down a few years ago. And I went out with him filming him and then, of course, helping him as we were doing it because it was just the two of us in the car. And when we were rescuing all these cats and animals during at night, this guy named Shannon Jay, who's this amazing cat rescuer, he was using an infrared scope to find where the cats were. And then we'd set out traps to catch them. And um, using the infrared, you could see the cat's body heat. 
amongst all the burned out rubble and it was easy to find where they were. So we were talking about how cool it would be to put them on a drone. And then fast forward about nine months later, I just happened to be volunteering with the Sea Shepherd Marine Conservation Organization and they were delivering aid to the Bahamas after a category five hurricane struck and just wiped out hundreds of houses and I was out there filming for them so that they could raise funds to continue to bring more aid out there. And as I was filming, I was flying over the devastation with a drone. And then I was able to spot dogs and stuff trapped amongst the rubble. And then I thought back about my work with Shannon and was like, damn, if I could put an infrared scope, it would, I could find a lot more of them because it was hard to even see them. Even with a drone, it was hard to see them without being able to find the body heat signature because there was so much rubble and debris and everything. So I went back to California, did fundraising, and then put in a bunch of money of my own in the very beginning and, um, and got an infrared camera and did, built this custom drone and uh, put on spotlights to it and a zoom lens and everything. And then it worked out amazingly. So I went back to the Bahamas about five times, rescuing all sorts of animals. And then from there, went to directly to Australia and was in Australia for eight months doing uh, koala rescues after the fires. And it worked exceptionally well. So yeah, it's, my hope is that these drones will be the new new way for animal rescue, for finding the animals and then working with rescue groups to go in and save them because it just works. It's, it's a countless times faster and you can find animals that you'd never find before with the human. Exactly. And that's kind of answers my question because I was thinking, I've never heard of this before. So you're the first. No, I was the first and it was just kind of this. I mean, in all honesty, to be truthful, I didn't know whether the damn thing would work or not. I was like, damn, I hope it works. <laughs> Why didn't anybody think of this before? Because it's ingenious. Yeah. And it, it really kind of, you kind of need, I mean, it was trial and error at the beginning. And the first infrared camera I had wasn't really working that well. And then the next one I had to get was a it was $25,000. Oh and my gosh. then sometimes the different parts would not work with the drone and they weren't compatible because they'd never been used together. And it was just, yeah, it was, a, it was not, not easy in the beginning. And then you had to have a spotlight because you'd find like, you know, in a lot of these disasters like Bahamas and Australia in the very beginning, of course, it's super hot there. So you're trying to find a heat signature amongst a bunch of hot. So you have to work throughout the entire night when it's dark and even still it was hot and being able to read what was going on with the infrared was challenging. And so I needed to buy this and make this like custom spotlight on the drone that looks like a police helicopter. Now, now I can shine the light on and verify what I'm seeing, if it's really the heat of an animal or it's a you know piece of a log on the ground or a trash can lid or something. So yeah, it was a lot of trial and error in the very beginning, trying to get it to this all dialed in. Now I have it dialed in where I can just pinpoint right on a cat in no time flat and turn a spotlight on and be like, yep, there's the cat. And we set the trap and have a cat the next day or two, hopefully. Well, what I found fascinating in the docuseries, and I looked at it a while ago, then went back just recently and um, looked and it's one, I don't know. I mean, working during a natural disaster is so difficult. You said Bahamas, we're based in South Florida. So yeah, I've been through hurricanes and yeah. uh, actually did a lot of donations and stuff. Bahamas, they're kind of like our, you know, sister place. They're, they're right here. You know, they're so close and new people from here that had family there that lost, you know, so much. That is so challenging. What is it like to work under those conditions since we're audio, you know, take us along for yeah. the ride. Give us an idea. 
It can be pretty heart wrenching because you, I mean, you get a real sense of how, you know, with climate change right now, we're really, we got to start making, preserving the planet and the animals and everything a top priority and not putting it on the back burner. And when you see these, especially as an aerial cinematographer, it's one thing to be on the ground and see how devastating things look. But as an aerial cinematographer, I get a bird's eye view of how massive, you know, 14,000 homes looks when they're burned down or something like that. So it's like I have, I absorb it a lot more than most people, I think, because I get to see it on such a grand scale compared to most. So yeah, it can be pretty overwhelming. How do you go on? Because I was just watching and overwhelmed. I almost get the sense, and I don't really know, but I almost get the sense that this animal rescue stuff was almost a sense of, you know, because I get many victories every day doing this by saving individual animals. Whereas in, you know, prior to doing the animal rescue work, I did a lot of, you know, dealing with environmental destruction as an aerial cinematographer filming, you know, logging of the rainforest or the redwoods or stuff like that where you'd fight for a decade to try and preserve a patch of redwoods like in Northern California. And eventually they'd get preserved, but it'd be like one-tenth of what you wanted to preserve. So I dealt with a much, almost like a much more loss than I feel like I deal with now. Like now I'm actually getting animals saved, whereas in before it would be, you know, I'd fight for a decade and politicians would give us a sliver of what we wanted and a fraction of what the animals really needed. So this, I almost actually feel more hopeful doing this sort of work with animal rescue because I am actually getting individual animals and I can, you know, get the affection from the cat or dog or whatever when they're all happy and in a new home and everything like that. So um, in some ways, it's almost, this almost seems more of a relief because it is such an effective way to save individual animals themselves. What about, we're kind of stepping back now. I saw that, I mean, you've been an animal lover from the beginning. So it's not like, oh, you know, let me go find you, right? You've had a squirrel, a possum when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Texas and had orphan baby possums, squirrels, raccoons, uh, worked with at an animal rehab place with little mountain lions and bobcats. And so I always had a love of animals and when I came to California to go to school, I got more involved in animal activism because I realized that protecting their wild habitat was key since so many of these animals depended on the habitat itself. And then uh, later on in life, we got involved with the, you know, now doing the animal rescue with infrared drones. Okay, let's go back to your docuseries. How do you decide where to go? And what are some of the challenges that you face when you're rescuing? So deciding where to go is usually based on how, on a, you know, wherever's, you know, the biggest disasters. And then of course, we were somewhat restricted with COVID on as far as where we could go, as far as outside of the United States. I happened to have been one of the last people from the United States that got to go to Australia and literally two weeks later, the borders were shut and no Americans could get in. So I just squeezed in right under the the data when they shut it down but yeah it's usually based on where the most need is so you know we follow the weather and the storms and different environmental and animal groups and then um you know if they're saying hey we need people out there there's lots of dogs and cats missing then that's where we fly out to catitude we're all about cats but a lot of cat people have dogs but you've rescued not just cats and dogs i mean koalas i know in australia and what else a wealth of types of animals Yeah, pretty much cats, dogs, koalas, and then some kangaroos. And then with World Wildlife Fund, I was doing a lot of work with population studies, finding out where different animals still survived after the fire so they could pressure the government to preserve the habitat. 
So then it was, you know, greater gliders and possums and all sorts of animals like echidnas and other really unique, amazing animals that I was finding with the drone. So yeah, it was a whole host of different animals, but I can pretty much find anything. Cool thing is, is I can find anywhere from a baby field, not a baby, but a field mouse to a little pygmy possum. So it'll find something pretty dang small. And also in your docuseries, you have, I mean, you take us really along for the ride. You see the aerial drone pictures. You see the movement of the animals. It's incredible how, not detailed, but you can definitely make out the movement and everything. It's it's fascinating. The hard part is watching the disasters, of course. Yeah. Yeah. The nice thing is, is we get, you know, throughout this show, you see the devastation, but you see us rescuing countless animals and, um, you know, like a lot of the things are first that never have been done. Like in Louisiana, I, you see one of the episodes where I find a mother cat and their kittens trapped under a house that was all smashed. And then over a series of days, well, I guess they weren't trapped. They were under hiding under it or whatever. Over a series of days, we capture all three of the cats. Then we're up in Oregon and after the fires and there's this cat that's badly burned and wounded and I find it with the drone and then I go out in the field and then I find where it's at and I catch it with my bare hands. Later on, you see that same cat get adopted into a loving family and so yeah it's really there's a lot of devastation but you see a lot of rescues and animals that end up in beautiful homes i think of it as a lot of love because you see all the love for the animals and you know so it balances it out but it really takes you on for the ride we have a short break i want to be right back molly here's your dinner Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Doug Thrawn. He is the star of the docuseries, Doug to the Rescue. Okay, Doug, we got into some heavy stuff in the first one, all this with the devastation and everything. Do you have a favorite rescue? That would be hard to say a favorite one because they're all pretty special. I mean, the the one, the most sentimental one was the first one I did, which was with the dog Duke, and then I went on to adopt him. So that one will always be sentimental. And because I've, I've had them for such a while now. But yeah, I mean, they're all pretty special in their own unique ways. Obviously, finding a mother cat and the kittens was really exciting as well. And then uh, the koalas, of course, are super cool to see. So, right, because we don't and rescue them here. So, yeah, no, it was neat. I'd never seen a koala before. So, and then the next thing you know, I'm rescuing dozens of them. So, yeah, it was really cool to see those. 
Okay, let's talk about the cats because cats are hard to rescue just with um, perfect, well, somewhat perfect situations. But with a disaster, you know, added to it, that makes it that much more challenging. What was that like? Because I know that it's they're much more difficult than dogs and, and even probably horses and probably even than koalas, except you have to climb the trees for the koalas. Yeah, the cats. Yeah, the cats can be tricky because, you know, they're they're pretty fierce and good fighters or whatever. So you go to grab a injured cat and it's going to get a piece of you for sure. So and you certainly see that on the show when I grab one and others grab them sometimes when they're badly injured. That's sometimes your only option because let them sit where they're at they're not going to go on a trap and they could easily die so you just got to grab them and hope not to get bitten and scratched too badly but yeah the cats are usually we find them with the infrared drone and then we set live traps out for them and usually we're pretty successful in catching them i mean all the ones that we tried for in the show i caught what do you hope that people will gain and, you know, knowledge, whether it's the understanding or what have you from watching Doug to the rescue? Um, my hope is to that one day these infrared drones will be so they'll be the commonplace. They'll be as common as using a helicopter for rescuing people. That infrared drones will become the new way of rescuing cats and dogs and wild animals that are injured because it's just you can find so many more animals and it's so much faster and more efficient and will save countless many more animal lives. So that's my hope. And I, you know, down the line, I want to have like a school where I teach people on how to fly these and use these drones and then have a, like an animal rescue center where the animals come to if there's ones that can't go to other centers that we're rescuing. So yeah, I hope to keep doing this and inspire others to do the same. I applaud that idea. I think it's fascinating and it's well needed. Could you use the drones other than maybe natural disasters, but isolated areas where, I don't know, what other situations or is it basically just natural disasters is where they're most effective? Uh, yeah, the infrared drones you could use for locating individual missing animals. You know, if someone's cat or dog is missing, you could certainly find the animals, individual animals. You could also find individual people. And um, I've been surprised that they don't use that more often for missing people, like when kids go missing in the woods or something. Exactly. Or um, hikers or something. It's not that I didn't even think that about that, but it's not widespreadly used, I guess. Yeah, no. When I was in Australia, they went to use a helicopter with infrared and it went to cover an area and they were only able to find one koala in a day's time. And I found like a dozen within an hour or two in the same area. So yeah, the infrared drone is definitely much more effective. Mostly, I'm guessing because of its size and it doesn't have to, you know, fly as high up and so forth. Yeah, you can get, you know, if you have a skilled pilot behind it, you can get down in between the canopy and you can find the animal down low. And yeah, you, it's just much, because infrared, you have to be able to go with a helicopter, you have to be hundreds of feet above the canopy, whereas in, with a drone, you can drop into the canopy and find the animal because its its body has to be exposed to some extent in order to get the heat signature. So a drone is really the only effective way to do it. Now, the big question, this is a very small operation. I mean, it's, you know, anytime there's a docuseries and this kind of stuff, people are, you know, think that there's huge companies behind it and stuff, but it's kind of very grassroots, very small. Yeah, definitely. So how do you get funded? Uh, so far, it's just been 
self-funded and individual donations off of GoFundMe page. And then CuriosityStream has covered the expenses of me traveling while filming this. So that's definitely helped. But yeah, right now it's primarily individual donations that's been keeping it afloat and going along. Why why does the Discovery Network pick you up or something? Well, CuriosityStream was founded by the founder of Discovery Channel. Oh, so... But Thanks yeah, educating me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's um, you know, it's it being a new show. Of course, is a there's not a huge budget or whatever because obviously shows got to see how well they do and stuff like that, and then the budget gets bigger. So, but yeah, right now it's been pretty tight running this whole operation doing the animal rescues. But thankfully, the show was covering the expenses and gave some money towards it, so that definitely helped because it wouldn't have happened without it. How successful are you with? capturing the animals that you find lost with the drone so far i've been able to get all of them your rate's like 100 percent. yeah that's amazing yeah so it's i mean i'm not to say that it's always going to be like that eventually you know there'll be cases where you know if an animal gets eaten by another wild animal or hit by a car or whatever might happen then obviously i can't find it but so far but I haven't, you know, individual animals, I haven't done a lot of searching for. It's been more disaster areas. And then I'm looking for whatever animals are out there. You know, individual ones would definitely, you know, the rate of success may obviously not stay that way, if, uh, depending on what might happen to an individual animal. Right. And the individual would be hard. Yeah. But if the, if the animal is alive, you know, I've had times where I have to look for a number of days to find the animal. But if it's alive out there, eventually I'll see it moving around because you can't really hide from the infrared. It'll find you. You'll, I'll be able to see its body heat eventually. You know, I think about it and it's amazing that they don't use this more because maybe I'm watching too many crime shows or something, but they use that so much in, you know, discovering for people, you know, for in crime and everything that it feels like we're behind something, you know, in getting this technology on board. I'm glad you discovered it. Yeah, I'm not really sure why it's not more widely accepted, but it's just one of those things, I guess, I'm the one that paved the way for it. And now it'll get more adopted over time, I guess. It is something, you know, these infrared drones are about, they're about $40,000 with the whole setup. And and then you have to have, you know, hundreds of hours of skilled flying with drones to be able to fly one of these things. So it's, you know, there's only a handful of people in the US that would really be good enough to fly them. That's why we need you to open your school. Yeah. In your spare yeah. time, <laughs> yeah. which is like, yeah. what spare you? Yeah. We're almost at the end, but tell us about the docuseries. So what are just some of the highlights of some of the episodes? Yeah. So it's basically from the beginning, following me through the Bahamas, through Australia, Oregon, Louisiana, California, basically going through all these different disasters of hurricanes and fires and me using the infrared drone to find all these animals. And then once we find the animals, they're given whatever veterinary care and then either the owners claim them or, you know, you'll see throughout the show, new people adopting different animals. So you'll see like a scrawny looking cat or dog that's like half starving and burnt up. And then uh, later on in the series, you'll see, you know, the animals all fat and happy and wagging its tail and purring and in a new comfy home. So they all have happy endings. So it's nice. And then, you know, we talk about climate change and our environment and yeah, it's, it's an exciting show. It's definitely fast paced and everybody I've heard of that's gotten a chance to have a sneak peek out of it at it, you know, has sat down and just watched all the episodes back to back. Yes. 
And it's nice because Curiosity Stream has all these science and technology and environment and wildlife films and shows that, you know, I think it's anywhere between $12 and $20 a year. So it's like dirt cheap to sign up and then you can get all these streaming shows. And uh, yeah, it's definitely well worth it. It's an amazing series. Thank you for all that you do. And I wish you so much success. Cool. series and going on. Doug, where can people go just online to find out more about you? Instagram, social media? Yeah, they could go just look up my name, Douglas Thrawn, on Instagram, and then they can find out the latest of what's going on. Or if their cat or dog is missing and they need help finding it, certainly hit me up. And if I'm available, I can come out and help you. Thank you again so much for coming on Catitude. Everyone listening, check it out. Doug to the Rescue. This is an amazing series. It's fabulous. And again, Doug, thank you so much for coming on Catitude. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. Well, I hope all of you enjoyed this show. I thought it was amazing. And the docuseries is incredible. Please take a look at it. It's um, on Curiosity Stream and it's called Doug to the Rescue. You can find out more about Doug um, on his Instagram at Douglas Thrawn. And of course, come to Pet Life Radio for this episode page and there'll be more information about him. So again, thank you, Doug, for coming on. Catitude, thanks to my... My producer, Mark Winter, for making my guests sound amazing. Thanks for my cat crew, which is Molly, Charlotte, Dennis, Jethro, and Sammy. And new to the family is Daisy, but she's kind of a relative's little baby, but I'm including her too. So we just adopted a kitten. And um, thanks to everyone listening. Thanks for keeping Catitude very popular and spreading the knowledge that we have on the show. And hey, lose the attitude. Have Catitude. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. 